put yourself in a position where you can't retreat, where it's do or die, sink or swim. Here's what you'll find out. You'll develop incredible swimming skills. You'll find yourself stroking unlike you've ever seen before. Through the inspiration of desperation, you'll become more creative than ever before. Throw your whole self into it. All you can do is all you can do. And all you can do is enough. But make sure you do all you can do. Welcome, everybody, to another episode of Burning the Boats. Uh, you've got Bill Phillips and Tim Blodgett here. And today we're going to introduce um, somebody Jason was fortunate enough to sit down with, Erin uh, Thomas. Erin, you know, we met her through our mastermind, Legacy Family. Um, but she's a commercial real estate agent in Ohio and doing huge, huge things in that market. And, you know, she'll get into it um, in today's episode. But, you know, she, she's really been able to grow and scale her business and and doing everything, you know, the way that she wants to do it. She's definitely comfortable putting herself out there and and really telling everybody what she's doing and and, and building a network within, you know, the area that she's in. Um, but she's really, really fun person, you know, just a, a quick story. She got up and she, she spoke to a group out at one of our summits that we do, uh, through our mastermind. And, you know, she just, she owned the stage, right? She enjoyed, you know, talking about what she does, giving advice to people, but is an absolute expert in her field. And, you know, is, a, and, and not in a, you know, not in a, you know, she doesn't come across as a know-it-all because she's not that way at all, but she is very, very confident in what she is doing and everything she says makes sense. And she's, she's a great one to learn from. And I hope everybody enjoys, you know, everything she's got to say today. What do you think, Tim? Yeah. Um, just like you met Aaron through a legacy family mastermind, Aaron has a, a huge personality. I mean, super outgoing, uh, super authentic, genuine and everything that she says. Um, one of the things that sticks out to me about Aaron compared to other real estate agents is that Aaron works strictly with investors, um, just with investors. She doesn't work with your typical borrow, your typical borrower, somebody that wants to come and buy a single family property. She works strictly with investors and usually in the multifamily space. Um, another thing that really sticks out to me about Aaron is that she's really all about the relationship, not about the transaction. So if something doesn't pencil in on a deal, she'll tell the investor that, go back to them. She would rather lose the deal and build that relationship. So to me, it just kind of speaks volumes about Aaron and, and her character. And hopefully you guys uh, get more out of the podcast from her. Yeah. And I'll add to that, you know, in our, I was around her and a, and a couple that was looking to buy a property that she was representing them on. Um, and this is, again, I think we were out in Scottsdale and she came up, told them, you know, that she got the deal or they had the deal. And the more that they talked and I just happened to be standing there listening, everything she talked about was negotiating in their best interest. Right. It was not about it was not about her. It was not about the deal and closing that property. But she was 100 percent looking out for her investors. And, you know, that's how all agents should operate. Um, and anyway, you'll hear from her and I hope everybody enjoys today's episode as Jason sits down with Aaron Thomas. Okay. Aaron Thomas, welcome to burning the boats. I am so excited. Jason, thank you for having me. You are quite welcome. We're, uh, thank you for coming on here. We're, um, you know, this is, we're still getting into this. We're, we're about 12, 13, 15 episodes deep. And, uh, but I, you know, when we first started, I made kind of my, my, my list of folks that I wanted to get in that, you know, first year. And most of them are legacy family folks who you and I, that's how we're connected. You know, mm -hmm. it's just um, folks we've met through our networking group and our mastermind, but you were at top of the list. Uh, you, you always bring the energy, but not just the energy. It's packed with a bunch of practical um, information. So I'm excited to kind of dive into things. Um, and one thing, you know, obviously I could read, uh, read off all your bio and your resume and stuff like that, but I prefer to let you do that. So um, you you go wherever you want with that, but kind of introduce yourself, where you're from, what you do, and then we'll go from there. Sure. So I am Erin Thomas. I am a top five realtor on the number one team in Ohio, and I am an investor only agent is how I started. Now I've moved more into commercial and I have an investor agent team below me 
which honestly is really, really rare. It's hard to find a realtor who actually knows how to work with investors, yet alone only work with investors. So I really found my niche and just dove into it. And I just, I have a passion for it. I love it. So yeah. now I've done, I'm a mentor now and I'm continuing to do more coaching. And um, I just took out a couple actually wholesaling clients where teaching them the process because that's how I started. I started as a wholesaler. Oh, so, I, didn't, I didn't know that. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So. Yeah. Actually, actually, it's a funny story. I took a job as a social media and marketing for a small boutique brokerage. And um, I was like, Brian and I had started a business together before. I can do Facebook. This is fine. And I went there and started working. And almost instantly, the owner of the company was like, no, 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 no. You have to go do sales. Mm -hmm. right. <laughs> so I became their first buyer's agent and did 49 homes my first year. Nice. Yeah, which was awesome. And I mean, honestly, just loved it. But we were selling, you know, the cheaper $50,000 single family right. rentals and learning the duplexes. And, you know, now I've at a point where, I had um, the largest listing in our MLS at one point, which was really awesome. And it's just been a fun ride. Yeah. And I mean, you, you, what stood out to me, the first time I met you, you I think was in Puerto Rico about a year ago. Um, and you were at, we were at one of the round tables together. But you mentioned it right away that you're an investor agent. And, mm -hmm. and that's, that's a unique space to be in in your world because and, I, and oh, yeah. it stood out to me at that um, round table because what we do with those round tables, everybody kind of presents issues that they're dealing with and then everybody kind of collaborates and, and I mean, you know the drill. Well, all of your advice was coming from an investor's perspective and, you know, not, not a real estate agent. You know, you mm -hmm. were approaching it from an investor and even some stuff I was struggling with, you know, it was it was just a unique perspective coming from a real estate broker agent. Um, and yeah. so I, I knew right away, I was like, okay, I can see clearly why you're having so much success yeah. in this niche. Um, and what, what steered you that way? Um, you know, to, to, to go into the niche of dealing with mostly investors. Yeah. Well, I mean, that's a great question. I think, you know, starting as a wholesaler, I was really learning the ins and outs of these cheaper rental properties. So, and it's a small boutique brokerage. I'm with KW now, but you know, that comes with a lot of training, but the small boutique brokerage didn't. So I really only knew how to sell these cheap, you know, rental properties. And then it became duplexes. And then I did get my experience into, um, um, the more commercial multifamilies in that time frame. I actually, my first deal under contract was a six unit that ended up falling apart because of a 600 or $300,000 garbage lien. Uh, like that's unheard of, but right. <laughs> um, you know, it, it, it was crazy. But so I just, it's what I knew. And then I realized that if, if you're transparent and if you understand how to run the numbers, nobody else is good at this. Yeah. And most investors call you and you know, they're like, this is what I want. And they call a bunch of agents because one of them has to stick or one of them will find a property. And they realized pretty quickly that I was sending them catered deals towards exactly what they wanted, filling their buy boxes very particularly and doing it at a high level. Hey, I reviewed this deal. Looks like the ARV, you know, after part value is, you know, this much, the spreads this much. I think it needs about this much in rehab. So I think you got a pretty good cash flow. And they'd stop and go, wait. And for me, if I was like, hey, there's not enough spread on this, there's not enough meat on the bone, we should walk away. Agents don't say that. They want the commission most of the yep. time. And for me, it's not about the commission. It's about the relationship. And that'll come later. And what's cool is I found that this year, 80% um, of my business was listings. And of that, I'd probably say 80% of that was all repeat clients. Right. That's, clients yeah. who just keep either right. selling with me, buying with me, they just keep rolling with me. And that's because... I build a relationship. I know what you want, you know, intimately. And typically like with larger multifamily, I've got room for more, but you know, I've got one flipper because you've one good flipper. You don't need two flippers. Yeah. And now I'll share, you know, flipping leads with my team because I'm like, here, I, I got one. He's local. Right. He can fix it all himself. He can pay more than anybody else will pay and he'll buy everything. So yeah, now you only need one. Yeah, no, that that's, that's good. And I think um, like the, well, specifically the the issue I was having that you and you probably don't remember, but I, it was a situation where I was I was dealing with a broker trying to make um, like a owner finance offer, um, mm -hmm. you know, and the broker wanted no parts of it. So he, he wasn't 
relaying uh, like he wasn't articulating what how i wanted to sell my offer to the mm -hmm. seller and um but you know you just described you you basically said or you you gave me some advice but you if you had that listing and your customer that's looking to buy is talking to you um and hey i'd like an owner finance you sounds like you would hold their hand package it up for them, present it to the seller where it makes sense for both sides and, and whatnot. And, and I have found in the commercial space, that is so uncommon. Trying to articulate my sales pitch to a seller working through a broker, you know, why yeah. is that? You know, what, what are the, what are the hurdles? Is it because the brokers don't completely understand the nuance or is it a commission related thing? I, 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 I have a tough time understanding that. Yeah. And you know what? I wish I had an awesome answer for that. I think there's a couple of factors with commercial brokers. I hope they're more, um, more familiar with seller financing and creative financing, but not all of them are. So when you're like, Hey, I want to do a land contract at this percentage right. and all this, they're like, they don't know that that's different than this person seller financing it. They don't know that it's different than a sub two. And I think it's a lack of knowledge is a big piece of it that they think seller financing is you know all the same thing and it's not so when you're like hey i'm going to do a hold back for this long i'll have a balloon at this they don't even know how to relay that information over and so one of the things that i've started doing is actually either creating a bridge between the two let me get my buyer on the phone with your seller and he can explain why this is going to be a benefit but i'm able to explain look we're going to get you the price you want and he's going to make 5% interest on top of it for the next five years while we flip it. Here's why that's a benefit. We'll do, you know, I, uh, um, why am I missing the word for it? You know, 40 years so that you can take a little bit of a tax deduction, do all, all these right. things and they don't understand. And it's a learned experience, but it's mostly just a lack of knowledge. Then if you write it out, like clearly in like the offer, and I've, I had a buyer do this, and this is probably why I do it most frequently is in that offer, he was like, I wanna do this offer, here's how it benefits you and here's how I'm protecting you. So basically acknowledging you should be worried, you don't know me, so here's what I'm gonna do to protect you. I'm gonna do a personal yeah. guarantee, I'm gonna do these items. And that allowed him to give that piece of paper that he wrote up to the other agent and hopefully that other agent can better relay it right. you know, because it's written down or at least they can't mess up the relay because it's written down. Right. So it just becomes part of the offer. Well, well, no, that, that's a good answer. Um, when it comes to, so like as I've transitioned from the corporate world to doing this full time, I'm, I'm starting to mentor a few folks that more on the entry level of getting into real estate. But a common thing I hear, like when I start, you know, I'll sit down for coffee with somebody and they're just getting, haven't even bought a property yet. But they say, well, I've connected with, three or four real estate agents and they're just not bringing me any deals. So, and I, I, I have a good response to that. Um, but I, <laughs> I want to get your perspective on that because like as an investor friendly agent, what, when some, a new investor comes to you or a, a, a veteran investor, but they come to you, what stands out positively and negatively when they come to you say, Hey, Aaron, I'm looking to buy a property. What are you looking for to receive from them to make them stand out as somebody? Yeah, like I'm, I'm going to go to work for this person. Yeah, and honestly, this is so, so important for investors to realize. And I believe, you know, I spoke about it a little bit on another panel is that when you are trying to work with an agent as an investor, not a wholesaler, if you're trying to work with an agent as an investor, you have to know what it is that you buy. You have to know what your buy box is. If you call me and say, hey, just send me all your deals, you know, duplexes, single families, you know, I'm open to area, I'm open to price point, I'm not sending you anything because clearly you have no idea what you buy. Right. And there are some very rare circumstances where maybe, you know, you do buy single families, but you'd also buy an apartment building. You still know that you're gonna buy a single family at this much in this area or an apartment at this price per door at this cap rate, you know that information. Yep. So come to me and say, hey, look, I'm looking to buy X, Y, Z very clearly. And then say, I've already been approved by, or I need, you know, to, I need a referral for this. 
And then I'm going to ask you a couple of questions, you know, what's your time frame, et cetera. And then we'll get to work. And then you're going to follow up. Yeah. Don't just get off the phone with me and go, all right, she's working for me. I can yep, be passive right. and not do anything. No, 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 no. You've called me once. I haven't talked to you. I'll probably send you a few deals in that first um, week or so, either an on-market or an off-market deal that I find trying to learn, you know, does this fit, doesn't this fit what you're really looking for? But ultimately, um, if, if you don't respond back or nothing clicks, you might fall to the wayside. So you need right. to come back. The people at my priority list who I'm making sure I contact are people I'm closing with, people who are staying on top of it, people who are calling, hey, got that approval, ready to go. Hey, saw this one. What do you think? You know, hey, talk to him. We're ready to go. You know, whatever it looks like, they, yeah. they're on top of it. Hey, did you find anything this week? Yeah. You know, so they're very, very on top of it. Yeah. I, and you, you just said this. Um, this was very important for me when I was getting going. Like we started in single family and we were just buying them. Over, I mean, left and right. We were buying a bunch of them and doing the birth strategy. But there were a couple times early on where we we'd get something under contract, whether it be a realtor that brought it to us or a wholesaler. But we get it under contract. We do our due diligence. And there were a few red flags that made it. It took it from a really good deal to uh, an OK deal. But we made the decision that it's not a it's not a bad deal but we're going to close this because we need to build up a relationship with that re realtor mm -hmm. or that wholesaler. And we like, if we had found it ourselves, it might've been deals we would have walked away from, but mm -hmm. we knew that how important it was to show the people that bought us that deal. And we did this a handful of times that we can perform. We're going to close. And once we did that a few times, the, yeah. the floodgates opened, they were bringing us everything. You know, oh yeah, and and, right. and honestly, if you would have backed out of that deal, and it was because you know maybe it was a little bit more work, or you didn't even count, or whatever that is, the likelihood that that agent's going to continue to push as hard as she was before is slim. Yep. You know, I've got a client who he kind of changed his mind. I never called him again. Like you know, we were under contract right away, and maybe he is buying, but. I have a reputation and agents know that my buyers close. And if I'm bringing deals to the table using that reputation and then you're like, eh, I mean, it changed by like a half a percent and it's just not good enough anymore. Yeah. No, what, let's make it up for the next deal. We're going to close right. this one because we said we were going to close this one. Yeah. And I mean, I guess to answer your other question, the biggest thing that I think investors, new agents need to know, or I'm sorry, new investors need to know is really clearly what their buy box is. And what I teach everyone is that they just need to think about Tupac. Love it. Go, you got to dive into that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so I talked to Jason about this a little bit before. And when I say talk about Tupac, I don't mean the rapper. I mean, you need to know your type, occupancy, price, area, and condition. And those five questions, if you could answer those five questions when you call that realtor, and you're like, hey, I know that I'm looking for a duplex that a duplex that's occupied at at least six hundred dollars a month. Um, uh, that's around one hundred thousand dollars, and it's you know has a little bit of value add that it needs anywhere in Northeast Ohio. I know you know what you're looking for, and maybe I'm going to work with you and go, you know, maybe this would fit better, maybe this price points better. Here's a little bit more realistic. It will work together, but. As long as you know your type, occupancy, price, area, condition, if you can think about Tupac and answer what it is that you need in regards to Tupac, you know what you're looking for. Yeah. If you I, I can't mean, answer that, you're you're dead in the water. Yeah. And that's so it it's so fundamentally important. Mm -hmm. And again, I, I, like I said, I'm mentoring a few folks that haven't even thought about it. They just mm -hmm. they have the mind, which I love the mindset. So and, and I can't say early on. I really thought about it either. I just wanted to analyze everything, you know, just right. bring me everything and I'll buy it. But Tupac, like if you're just starting out and you're trying to figure this out and you're trying to connect with agents, pause this and write it down. Tupac, put Tupac, the rapper's poster on your wall. <laughs> and have to remind right. you of it. But uh, type, occupancy, price, area, and condition. condition. And yep. here's the yep. other reason this is so, so important. Okay. As an investor, if you want to grow, you need to start making it so that you can do things easier. As a new investor, it's going to take you a while to analyze these deals. But if you know that a single family in Cleveland, around $100,000, $100, that's bringing in $1,000 in rent, 
you know, and it's pretty much turnkey as if you know those fundamental numbers, you can just look at deals and know works doesn't work, works doesn't work. You know, there might be a couple nuances between it, but now you become the expert in that type. You become the expert of that buy box. And so now you can easily acquire or know that you don't want to acquire it. You master this and then you go on to something else. And what's so cool about that is for me, if a flip comes up, I know which investor I'm calling. If a value add four unit in Bedford comes up, I know exactly who I'm calling. You know, very specific buy boxes because they've mastered this certain thing. I know exactly who that deal goes to. And so now they're always top of mind for me. The more specific you can be with that buy box, the better off you're going to be, the more top of mind you'll be for that realtor and the easier you're going to have a time investing and purchasing more. Yep, it's it's perfect. And I, I would say even taking it a step further from an investor mindset, let the realtor like share with them kind of, I mean, you don't have to open up your, your tax statements or anything like that, but share with them what kind of financial situation in. I, I have access to this much cash to close quickly with. So that, mm-hmm. you know, that, that gets right back into price, but then they know that, okay, you don't need to go, you're not, we're not dealing with a bank. For anything under $150,000, he's paying cash or from a HELOC or something like that. Share that with the realtor so they can use that as leverage. And when they find you something, then they can help negotiate the price down by saying, oh, this is a cash buyer. You know, so and so just be open with the realtor. Stop reaching out to realtors and saying, I want to buy a flip house. I want to start. I want to buy everything. Just send me all your deals. Send me everything. Well, Add how many to your units? list. I don't, don't know, do one that. to 500, you know. Was, yeah. Right, so, right. Don't, yeah, don't I, do that. I, right. I love that. So I'm going to shift gears on you a little bit. Um, you know, again, you are a powerhouse at what you do You in your area. Um, so w- what area specifically in um, Ohio are you in? So I live um, just east of Cleveland, so really okay. northeast Ohio. That's a pretty broad range, but I live on the east side now. I grew up in, you know, the west side of Cleveland. I went to high school a little bit south. So I'm all over. I have experience everywhere. I I wasn't off when I called you the queen of uh, Cleveland earlier. (laughs) I mean, that's that's where most people know me. Now, when it comes to listings, I have listings, you know, in Wapakoneta, which is near Lima. I've got a listing over in North Jackson. So I will list commercial property anywhere in Ohio. But I also, um, I'm on the number one team, as I mentioned before, but we have satellite offices all over. So if someone's like, you know what? I found this deal in Cincy, it looks really good. Well, I'll just refer you to my agent down in Cincy that we have hands-on, boots on the ground, they know what they're talking about and we can get you the best representation you need. But so when it comes to the state of Ohio, I got you. Got it, yep. So now I wanna get into some mindset stuff. So Mm -hmm. you've got a big personality, you're a ball of energy and and I, I am that way to a certain degree as well. And growing up, you know, it was all it was always like, you know, that you got to calm Jason down. We got to calm Jason down. We got and and I've always thought like there's something wrong with me. I just have too much energy and I just want to go, 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 go. But it took probably until my early 30s, mid 30s, I'm 42 now to realize and lean in on this energy as a superpower, you know, and I leaned into it and I stopped looking at it as a weakness of mine. I'm my whole life is chaos. Like I'm just all over the place all the time. So the question I'm teeing up here is how do you view your, your energy? Cause some, you know, sometimes it can be a big, a big presence in all situations. Do you view it as a superpower or do you have to rein it in sometimes? How do you feel about that? Oh, man. So there's a book, um, Now Discover Your Strengths. And this is, if I could recommend everyone do something, it's this book, Now Discover Your Strengths. And there is like a personality quiz that goes with this book, okay? And basically, it just states that there are, you know, 30 different personality types. Everyone has, you know, four or five in the top and whatever. And so what I found is that one of those personality traits is has a lot to do with my energy. And 
growing up, it was such a negative thing. Like everyone would say, you're talking about yourself too much. When I wasn't, I was trying to relate to you and it, it interfered. And so I reined it back for so long. And I was like, you know, my energy would be there, but like what I could really be providing and adding the value, I reined that all back. And then I read this book and I said, you know what, I'm going to lean into this a little bit. And you know what's so funny about that, Jason, is the first time I leaned into it was that round table with you. And okay. I I said, wow. all right, I'm, mm-hmm. I'm just going to give the value. I'm going to speak my mind. And I, when anybody had a thing, you know, I, I chimed in. And I think everybody at that table left my husband was or left that table and went to my husband and was like, uh, your wife (laughs) dominated that entire table. Yeah, I was one of them. Right. (laughs) He's like, what did you do at this table? And I was like, wow, that really is my superpower. And so I've really played into these five um, strengths as superpowers, and energy is definitely one of them for me. I want to be positive and I think positive energy attracts positive energy. And if you have a negative energy, I need to go to the other room. And I do a lot of things now, time blocking. And I've got a lot of things I do in the morning for myself to protect that energy so that I start the day. You know, my mornings, we wake up, I come downstairs, I read first. Um, and then I, I found that I really like to journal, which I didn't think I would. Really, my journaling is writing down three things that I'm grateful for and three things that I'm going to accomplish today and then something that I need to give myself credit for, you know, and if you've ever read the Miracle Morning or, you know, done that, that's, you know, part of that savers. And when I did that, I was like, this works, this visualizing and, you know, taking that moment out for yourself. And so I do that. And then I go downstairs and I work out and I get the morning for me. And so I get to start off on the right foot. So I think protecting that energy is so, so important. But I think if you have a superpower, like, you know, talking and communicating and, you know, making people feel comfortable, I think you should play into that. But yeah. we are a lot of times suppressed for that. Yeah, you know, but I, do think, I think there's a difference too, though. There's a difference between loud and obnoxious and putting yourself in the center of attention then there is having a positive energy that attracts other energy and using it to provide value. Yeah, a hundred percent. And again, I wrestled with this until the last six, eight years um, to a point where I, as an adult, I would talk to my doctor about like, do I need to take some medicine to just slow my brain down? Cause I I just, I want to go and, and, like you said, a similar book um, that when I was in my corporate career, that HR, I was in management at this point. So this would have been, I don't know, probably eight years ago. They gave us a book called Strength Finder and Mm -hmm. a similar premise where, but it it was talking about managing people in teams. And number one, it was me having to realize not everybody's like me, right? Like everybody has a unique way of doing it. So trying to lead people to be like me because what I am works for me is not a great, a great avenue right. of leadership. It's, it's horrible. And I've done that for years. The second thing is pump up people, like lean into, so most of the time, like if I had, I, I was in insurance sales. So if I had an agent that was, um, Let's say they were a very strong closer when they got to the closing table, but they were not very good at the activities to get them to the closing table, right? So I would spend 90% of my time trying to help improve them at the activities to get them more to more closings. Where this book said I should have been spending 90% of my time leaning in and getting them, figuring out how to get them to more closings by giving them the resources that where, where they were weak and letting somebody else do those things, delegating those things to get them in front of more people and then just lean in on the things they're strong at. And when I changed that for the people I was managing, our production tripled. And then when I changed it for myself and stopped trying to figure out strategies to help me focus better and strategies to help me be more organized, just realize that I'm not that way. And I just started focusing on being who I am. Ever since then, everything in my life has gone to the moon, you know? Right. And, and it, I get real passionate about it because I, I remember 
being a kid, being a teenager, and being told by teachers and coaches, and I was a handful, but oh yeah, like, you you're too much. You got to calm down. You have to calm it down. You know, you're you're chaotic. Well, now I have a seven year old son that's the exact same way. <laughs> right. And I catch myself I sometimes. Too. Right, I catch myself sometimes saying the things to him that people said to me, and I have to remember. No, yeah. this is his superpower, and as he matures into it, I'm I gotta push him to lean into it. So, um, yeah. yeah, I mean that was a long-winded ramble there, but I I really think it's important to lean in on the things that whoever you are, whatever it is, you know. And you know, yeah, I think the books are very very similar. And you know, basically, it's you know they say it all the time: twenty percent of what you do produces eighty percent of the results. Yep. So you should be leaning into the twenty. And the book says the same thing: if you were great at math in school but terrible at English, why are you getting an English tutor? Right. Go be great at math. Yep. You know, and this is the same thing. If you're really great at, you know, meeting people and connecting people, stop trying to go, you know, do the behind the scenes stuff. That's probably not where you're going to be good. Yep. Hire someone else to do that. And that's the beautiful part of owning a business is leverage, like leverage people for the stuff you aren't good at. Yep. I like you am terrible at systems. I am not great at the documentation. I mean, I'm very particular about my contracts, but Somebody else can write them and I can proofread them, yep, right. you know, because it's, it's not a, you know, dollar productive activity. And so to your point, like learning the disc profiles and how each person is different, not, not all of us are the same and how to communicate with those people and to play into the things that you're good at and not fear them like a weakness. Yep. Yeah. And I, I will, you know, I, I hadn't realized until you just said it, that you started leaning, like what we're talking within the last year, you've really leaned into your yeah, superpower. Yeah. Um, what have you seen from that? Have you, how have you seen your life, business, everything improved since you leaned into it? Yeah. So, I mean, this is an awesome question. And like you, when I was in school, I was in choir, show choir, theater, all the things to keep mm. me moving. My mom, um, my choir teacher told my mom that I was a force to be reckoned with. And my mom still will say that to this day. And now I feel like it's more true than it was right. then that I'm like, let's go. But playing into that, like nothing stops me, nothing scares me. You know, I'm really good at communicating and that's allowed me to, I have two mentees. I, one went from 1 million to 3 million this year and the other went from 3 million to 7 million. I mean, these are incredible. I mean, that was them, but yep. it was us. It was accountability. Right. And what I found is I'm a good communicator. It's easy for me to teach people investments. I can phrase it in a way that's easier for them to understand. And that is one of my strengths. And so playing into this, it's now like I've sat on multiple panels and I love doing things like this with you and talking about these things and sharing these experiences. And honestly, I went from, you know, 49 homes, but I don't even know what the value was. And I did uh, 22 million close and pending last year in Cleveland. That's crazy town. Yep. Um, and this year I want to hit over 30. Yep. Yeah. And you're and like you said, in Cleveland, you're getting that much volume. That's a lot. I mean, that that's incredible. And yeah, uh, it's it's actually crazy. So our team being number one in Ohio is fine, but we're number eight in KW in the entire US. And we're against people whose price points like I can sell you a single family house for a hundred thousand dollars. That same house in California is gonna cost you five hundred thousand yep. dollars. And so the price points are just so different. And for our team to be able to accomplish what it accomplishes and sell what it sells and be eighth ranked in the u.s against you know florida's and california's and texas and like all these yep. very very high markets is incredible yep all right so shift gears again and Let's do it. so i i have really adopted the belief that my i'm the best in my business and providing for my family when I feel my best, right? I mean, that, that's not a, I'm, I'm not being prophetic with that. Everybody knows that you feel better, you perform better. So I personally have leaned in the last several years into my health and nutrition. And I know you and Brian as well recently have really been on a journey to improve nutrition, health and everything. Um, couple questions with this. Number one, what motivated this? You know, obviously y'all were healthy young people, but what motivated you to really dig in deeper, to take it to the next level? And number two, what benefits to your 
overall in your whole life have you seen from this change? Yeah, your health, you don't realize it. Like we all get so busy with work. You don't realize like your health matters more than all these things. Stopping, slowing down, taking the second to pay attention to your body. And that's what we did. We went to a legacy event and one of the panels was on health and they talked about you know, the hydrogenated oils and how long they live in your body and the inflammation that they're causing. And it was like, whoa. And like, we were healthy eaters, but you just don't think about oils. And then you don't realize how much they're in everything. And so we immediately made a change. We came home and it was for the better. Then last year, the more you pay attention to your body, I think it starts to spiral. And I watch probably way too many documentaries that I keep cutting things out. But once you realize like our food system or you learn about our food system and you learn about the foods you actually need to be healthy, I think it kind of awakens you a little bit. So for me, I was having, you know, some digestive issues and I was just constantly like uncomfortable. I felt like I was having this runner's cramp all the time. And like you said, like if I'm uncomfortable and I'm in pain, like how am I going to get through this? I can't show up for my kids. I can't show up for work when you have these aches and pains. So I went on a journey to try and figure out what that was. And it was eliminating foods and trying different things. And it's funny, the more you eliminate things, when you reintroduce, you're like, this sucks. <laughs> so I, you know, I wasn't drinking a lot last year. I found that every alcohol made me like, I, know, I didn't feel good except tequila. I love tequila. Mm -hmm. um, and so that was my drink of choice. But then we went to a Christmas party and you know, after not drinking for a while, I had two drinks and I was just like, I feel tired today. Right. And so it's that like when you when you actually feel what it feels like to be energetic, you know, all by yourself, you wake up and you're just motivated and you have the clarity of your mindset and your body is moving better and you feel better. Once you do something that's outside of that, you're like, oh, this is bad. Let's let's go back. And then I learned a lot, too. We got the whoop. And uh, what I learned from that was, you know, everyone says you need eight hours of sleep. And I just, I would wake up and I'd feel groggy. The whoop taught me that I need six hours of sleep to feel my best. I spend most of my time in REM and deep sleep. And so I was over sleeping. So now I put myself on a schedule where, you know, I think I go to bed right around 9, 30, 10. I'm up by 5, 30. And now I've optimized my sleep and it's optimized my health and I feel more rested, more motivated. Now I'm able to get up earlier, have that, you know, two hours in the morning all by myself before Bonus the world time. wakes up. Yep. Yeah. Right. The world's not awake yet. Nothing's happening. It's just you, yourself. I mean, it's me and my husband, but it's, it's amazing what you can do. And then as adults and as parents, we need a minute. We need a minute away from our kids and you need a minute to give and pour back into yourself. And so some mornings, you know, most mornings we're reading or working out. Some mornings, maybe it's not a workout. Maybe it's a stretch. Some mornings it's, you know, maybe I wanted to go craft something that morning instead of the book. You know, I just read these seven mindsets and I really want to do this. And it changes everything for you once you realize how important your health is. And then let's, I mean, I've got two little boys. I have a six-year-old and a three-year-old and do I want to have the heart attack or the cancer or the things that all these inflammatory junk foods are causing? Do I want to not be there for them about something that I could have prevented? And then you yeah. got to think about that. And I think it's a problem how expensive our food is anymore, you know, to eat healthier, but there's options. And, you know, for me, keto really works. And I love being keto. I feel like it gives me the mental clarity and everything that I need. But I recognize that it doesn't work for everybody. You know, you have to find what works for you. And it's a long journey. It is not yep. a wake up, let's try this little fad. We'll see if it happens. It's a long, long journey. But and it's learning you and it's learning your body. I can recognize now, hey, what did I eat yesterday? Because I don't feel great today. Or what did I do? Because I don't have the energy. It's And the whoop is awesome. I'm going to be honest. It'll tell uh, me, uh, right? Right. <laughs> yeah. I'll wake up and I'm like, I kind of feel off. I'm like, oh my God, I have 20% recovery. Yep. And now I know what workout I'm going to go do in that morning. It's, it's so cool. You're optimizing your health like digitally. It's, it's yeah. really, really cool. But yeah, I mean, I, everything you're doing, I think it's the same thing. Like you're playing into it. You're doing it at an ultimate extreme level, which is, I mean, just the commitment that you've done is so unreal. I, but, I have to do that though. Like it's for me, yeah. it's um, if I don't, like I get bored with things pretty quickly. So if I don't gamify it and then force accountability, um, then like, I don't like working out every day. I freaking hate it. Most days I don't mm -hmm. like jumping in a cold plunge. I don't, 
I, I, I love drinking. I love it. Like I, I love drinking, but I can't do it every day, you know? Mm -hmm. So I, I have to make, for me, I have to go extreme. I have to put it out there. I have to be held accountable or I will go right back into the same bad habits. So that there's me doing all these extreme discipline things. It's not because I'm extreme and disciplined. It's just aware. I'm very aware if I don't do it that way, it's not going to sustain, you know, but do you know how many people listening and how many people there are that are the same way, then maybe they needed to hear that, that, yeah. you know, they're doing it. But if you make it a challenge for yourself, sometimes it works out easier. Yeah. For me, I, I do like 90 day challenges and like, it's like a commitment to something that 90 days, same thing. And what's ironic is out of that book, one of my uh, superpowers is competition. And it's not with other people. It's with myself. Yeah. You know, yeah. and I bet yours is very similar. But sometimes, you know, I don't want to go to the work gym every day either. But I'll tell you, when I don't go for a few days, I'm like, I feel awful. Right. And my energy for the day is done. Also, yep. don't drink coffee in the morning. I'll have yeah. a coffee maybe at 1 o'clock. But that yep. crash is terrible. That we yeah, never I'm still still working through that. I yeah, <laughs> I, but yeah, I, I stay pretty caffeinated. But that's that's you know. But you talk about the whoop. <laughs> Since yeah. I've started wearing it, um, I mean, obviously everybody knows if you drink enough, you're gonna feel bad the next day, right? But once it started showing me on a screen how bad I'm actually supposed to be feeling. I, that alone has made me cut out. I mean, I, I rarely drink anymore. I mean, I will like socially to have a good time, but I know that I'm going to wake up and it's going to be in the red 3% and I'm going to feel like crap. And I, so knowing that and actually seeing that, seeing that in a, like put into metrics uh, really helps me control everything, hydration, what I'm eating, working out, stuff like that. I'm, I'm happy to hear that you guys have leaned into it. Um, and that, that same panel, um, I think it was Ben Azadi that was talking about the mm -hmm. oil. He's actually going to be on the podcast in a couple of weeks, but he, um, guys, he's incredible. If he's going to yeah. be on, make sure you guys listen to that one because yeah. he's, he's unbelievable. But he, um, that was, I, I had until that day had never as many podcasts and things I read and all that. I'd never heard of, the studies that show how bad these vegetable oils and all different yeah. kind of oils, I never even crossed my mind. And uh, so, yeah, I mean, it just, I think a lot of it, it's not, y'all are the same way, but you just have to be willing to constantly be self-improving, right. And willing mm -hmm. to take in information and also be humble enough to realize that, Oh, well, I've been doing it this way the studies or this guy says I should try it this way, be humble enough to know you might not have it right. Like you need, you probably need to tweak things from time to time. And um, like you, you, you kind of went more elimination doing keto style yeah. and putting out a few things. You feel great. It works for you. It may suck for the next person, but it works for you, you know? So yeah. it goes to y'all for that. Um, and yeah. I think, we worked a little bit backwards here and like we started with, you know, the job and the wealth side of it, you know, and, you know, the investment side of it. And then we, you know, moved into the body and now we're in or into the mindset and now we're into the body. And I think it's actually backwards. Like we should be a body. I mean, mindset, I think might even come first, but these pieces are more important than anything else. You don't know everything yep. you need to constantly be learning or you're, you're going to fall flat. You yep. can be the best at something right now. You know, you could be, uh, let's see, like eBay. At one time, eBay was the best. Right. But if it didn't do anything different, it missed an opportunity to become Amazon. Yep. You yeah, know what I absolutely. mean? Absolutely. And Tim Bratz and I had a conversation a couple, well, he was on the, he said it on the podcast. Um, there's no stagnation. You're either growing or you're dying. There's yeah. no in between. So if, if you're complacent and you're not trying to improve, to your point, eBay, you lean in on one thing and that's all you're doing and you're not reflecting and trying to keep moving the needle, then there's only one way to go. That's the other way. You can't sit still in the middle. Yeah. And um, I think uh, Bill Phillips, my partner and I were just talking about it this morning, how most people settle in, they just settle in and they think everything's good, but they don't know that actually they are killing themselves not, and I don't mean, I, I'm talking mentally more than anything else. You're just, you're not living to your potential. So mm -hmm. I don't, I don't think that's ever going to stop for me. I don't think it's ever going to stop for you. I'm going to be 90 years old 
figuring out how I can be more mobile and just trying to improve, you know, and I know you'll be the same way. Yeah. You know, I read a quote yesterday. It said, anything worth doing is worth doing poorly. So when you get good at something, go find something else that you can learn, learn it from the bottom and work it up. I, I just like finished that. the family first entrepreneur and um, I think it was a quote in there, but it wasn't from that book. But basically that's, I mean, that's exactly what they said is, you know, every year he would pick one thing he wanted to learn. You know, maybe it was Facebook ads, maybe it was like YouTube, whatever it was, one thing that would help his business grow. And he spent the entire year learning it. That way it wasn't overwhelming for him to do, but he continued to grow and like set that time aside for his business to grow separately, you know, so that he wouldn't fall stagnant and he would stay ahead. He was constantly learning all these new things that are happening. Yep. And, you know, I get so many people, like I do a lot of video, um, and post it like on Instagram and share about the areas and properties that I'm selling, et cetera, um, investing tips. But so many people are afraid to get on the video. Oh, my camera. Oh, my makeup. Yeah. Oh, my lighting. Yeah. I'm like, oh, who cares? Right. Like, everything worth doing is worth doing poorly. And you're going to yep. do it poorly to start. You we're, might buy a bad deal. We're living, okay. proof, we're living proof of this right now in two areas. Um, I've never been good on social media. Ever. Don't, don't, I mean, until I left my job last year, the only thing you're going to find me posting are my kids and stuff like that. I just didn't, it was never, social media for me was all consumption. I was consuming things mm -hmm. from other people. Well, now I've had to shift because I have a business to promote. I have things, you know, so I have to market. I'm not good at it. So we, we pay a third party. Uh, I don't, Legacy Digital, Q Patterson out of Charleston, but they, they handle our social media. I'm not comfortable with it. Like I, I, I am having to train myself to do it poorly. Like to your point, mm -hmm. I'll get better with it, but um, I'm having to lean into it because I know it's going to make my business better. I, I do have some value I can provide. So it will help others who are following along and just lean into that. And a lot of people don't go to that next step because Fear of a few things, how they look on camera, how they sound, some insecurities, but also they don't want to be viewed as a, you know, somebody that's trying to be an influencer. I'm not an, I don't even know what the hell that means. Like, I, right. you know, <laughs> I'm just trying to do something to make things better, you know, but um, to your point with that and this podcast, I get on these podcast interviews just like this one. I don't know where they're going. We're just talking, you know, it's, it's not scripted. I'm fumbling through it, but they will get better. They will improve over time. And I'm learning to do something poorly. Just, I love that. Love that quote. So thanks for sharing that. Yeah. Uh, and I think what I, I was just going to dive into it a little bit further, but I mean, yeah, yeah every, yeah. everything that you said, it, it, it just, it makes sense and you need to do it. And yeah, I appreciate it. Yep. So, um, and Aaron, <laughs> I, I could go on and on with you because there's a lot of things I'd like to dig into, but I want to be respectful of your time. Um, but we do like, you've already touched on a book. Um, so I, I, we'll put that book in the show notes for everybody to check yeah. out. Are there any other books like top of mind that you would say, go read this? And this could be mindset, real estate, whatever. Is there anything you'd recommend on top of the one you've already said? Well, I'll say, and actually, you know, it's funny. It's, I think I have it right here. That's how much I like this book. <laughs> I love That's it. That's the Now Discover Your Strengths. And when you buy yeah. it, the test is free. Um, I have no affiliation with them, but yeah. <laughs> um, that's a big one. I mean, you have the normal ones, like Never Split the Difference is great if you're yeah. trying to learn how to negotiate. Um, I, I mean, I've been reading a lot and I think there's so much to learn. So it's it really just depends. If, if anyone has like a certain thing they're looking for, contact me mm -hmm. and I'm happy to guide you to a book that love I think it you know, really, really suits that. But I try to alternate between a skills book and a mindset book. So I can take the skills book and implement it to learn it for, you know, let's say it takes a month to read or whatever. You learn it for a month, you implement it for a month, you learn and you implement. And so you continue to do these things. And the implementation month, I have mindset to help me implement whatever that, you know, previous book was. So that I'm constantly, you know, going about it that way. Yeah. I think my biggest thing and my biggest recommendation to anybody, especially if you're an investor looking to get into it, is find a coach. Yep. I think I think that is so important. I have two coaches and now I'm in a seven and ninety course geared towards making seven figures of GCI in 90 days, which is crazy. 
So if you're listening to this, I really need more deals. <laughs> <laughs> so please contact me if you're ready to buy or sell in the next 90 right. days. But no, seriously, it's, it's these things, these mini challenges that really make you grow. Like this is hard and I'm prospecting and I've been a marketing based type of person. You know, my social media, I, I built my business off Facebook through Facebook groups and you know, I'm getting more comfortable, like you said, with the videos now. And I, now I have a passion for it. And the truth is, is back to the poorly thing. The truth is, is they care about you being authentic. There are more people in this world who are uncomfortable on the camera, have, you know, want to learn what you have to say, but are uncomfortable. They're going to relate to you being uncomfortable. Yep. And I think guys have it a little easier. You can be like, all right, so this deal sucks and like joke about it. And like people right. are like, oh, he's so authentic. And yeah. girls do it. And they're like, she has no idea what she's talking about. Right. But be authentic with it. If you're uncomfortable with it, say you're uncomfortable with it. All right, I'm on day five of this challenge. I've got to be on a freaking camera. Do it. Like people right. are going to want to follow your journey. Yeah. You know, you're burning the boats thing. I love this concept. I like have a passion for this concept. And my husband and I did this. And I don't know if you know this, but the house that we live in, we live in now um, a really great house in one of the best neighborhoods you can live in. And um, really, I don't know how much time you have. It's, you know, no, you, really yeah, we got story. all day. Keep going. All right. All right, guys. So this is a really, really awesome story. Um, and it incorporates creative finance and everything. So we found this house. I walked it for an investor and it didn't work because it was very 1970s. But to flip in this area, you have to redo everything garage doors, two new furnaces, two new air conditioners. You're probably going to want to touch up the roof. Everything had to be done. And it was a significant amount of rehab, especially, you know, in this area. So nobody could afford it. It didn't make sense. So I talked to Brian. I said, hey, I think you should quit your job and we should buy this house. And he goes, what? And mind you, my husband was a supervisor at the post office. So like government benefits and everything. Yeah. And I'm like, yeah, no, I think you should quit your job and we should buy this house. And he's like, how, how are we going to do that? So well, you'll be the contractor. You'll fix it up. So it'll save us a little bit of money. So I negotiated down the price of the house to 525000 Okay. And I purchased it with a hard money loan. So it was high interest rate. It was 15% interest for one year. But the way their process works, it's almost like 100% financing. So out of pocket, I gave them $18,000. But at closing, I got an $11,000 commission check. So really, I only spent $7,000 out of pocket to buy a $500,000 house. This is because I knew about creative financing and hard money loans. And once you start to know about these, you understand how they work. So separately, because I didn't want to add on any more to my monthly fees, I took out a separate loan with a private investor for $100,000 to cover the rehab. So I told my husband, I said, we got $100,000 to get this 7,000 square foot house done. We're going to do it. So we spent the next year, he quit his job. We burned the boat. He quit his it. job. And we said, we're either going to go bankrupt or we're going to get to live in our dream home right away. And it was going to go one of two ways. And so we used my contacts and, you know, I have someone who works at a lumber yard. And so we have 16 foot hardwood hickory floors. So we didn't sacrifice quality. Right. We just used our network. So we got those and um, went to some of the wholesalers, like with the scratch and dent stuff that people don't know to go to. And we got every vanity in my freaking house. And I've got five bathrooms of 60 freaking inches. (laughs) And I'm like, oh my God. (laughs) So we got all these things. And we stuck within our budget with the exception that we never did our master bath because we want to lay that out. So we didn't do that. So we stuck to that all in. We were at about 625. And when we finally got our appraisal, we were late. We were at month 13 on a 12-month loan. Yeah. Um, we uh, came in just shy of $1.1 million. Absolutely. So, yeah. so I mean, we were close. It was we were going to do it or we weren't going to do it. We burned the boat. He left wow. his job. And we flipped this house. And now we get to live in a house that is far bigger than we need. Yeah. But it's beautiful and it's ours. And my kids get to go to the absolute greatest school system. And... I mean, I, I couldn't ask for it any different. We did a little backwards, like my, the investor brain in me says, why am I paying this mortgage? But the other part of me is like, Aaron, you have $350,000 in equity just sitting there if you yep. wanted it. Yep. You know, no, that, I love that. I'm glad I didn't know that. I'm glad you shared that story. I'm glad whether he wants to or not, Brian's going to be a guest on this podcast because I want to hear <laughs> his version of this story. Too. You have 
to hear yeah. his story. Because, yeah, oh, no, absolutely. You know, it, it, it's so cool because he left, you know, he used to build houses and he left his job at the post office to come do this, had to basically remember all those skills again. And yep. so there was a delay, like also he had to learn how to be an investor or like yeah. in, a, in an entrepreneur. There's this thing when you first, you know, go out on your own, the first few months, you're all in, you're excited. And then you're not anymore. And yep. then you're like, oh, wait, I don't have to wake up. I, I have my own time frame. And then you go through that for a minute and this roller coaster of emotions. And then you realize, okay, well, now I'm not waking up. I'm getting lazy. Nothing's getting done. And you've got to pick it back up. And then, you know, the hard labor of what he was doing, like there were days where he would like lay the floor and then he couldn't move his hands because uh, he didn't lay floor for a living. Right, right. So it was really, really complicated. And then we finished the house and he was going to start, you know, becoming an investor and he was going to help us build our portfolio. He went for a run. He finally set goals and broke his, uh, got a fracture in his knee and that just spiraled from there. And I'll let him give you that whole story. But it's been such a roller coaster. Yeah, yeah it's been I, such a roller coaster for him. It, it would be awesome to hear his side. Yeah. And, and what was funny um, in Puerto Rico, I think that he, uh, you made him come into those rooms and sit in those rounds. <laughs> I love it. Like he, I, at one point, I remember talking to him. He's like, I don't know what the hell I'm doing. <laughs> I'm like, gotcha. yeah, but, so it's not that I made right. him. It's just that yeah. I made him sit at a different table than me. Yeah, right. And exactly. That, yeah. That was by design because yeah. the truth is I'm his wife. He was new to this. He wasn't going to say what he wanted to say. Yeah. Maybe his domino that he needed to knock over was his wife is too overbearing. <laughs> I'm not going to say that in front of me, right, right. but I wanted to give him the opportunity to say it yeah. if it needed to be said. You know what yeah. I mean? So yeah. I needed him to learn that. I mean, he has it in him. He just needs to recognize it. So yeah, yeah no, I, I, I pushed him up the nest. I love what y'all are doing and I love your mindset, your approach. And at the end of the day, I mean, this could be another hour talking about this, but y'all are setting examples for your two boys, right? They're, yeah. they're actually witnessing there's, a bunch of different ways to do this life, right? And they're seeing their mom and dad, who they see every day, living life with purpose. They move with purpose. They take action to keep building and improving things. And you're going to have two little monsters that are coming behind you doing the same thing. I mean, y'all are creating that, and that—that's yeah. how I like that touches me because I got two little ones too, and and that that drives everything. They they see everything I'm doing. Um, I can tell them crap all day long, but they actually see me doing things with discipline mm -hmm. and purpose, just like yours. And it's going to make them better humans because of it. So, yeah. um, and yep. you know, to that purpose, like when we, when we burned the boat, okay. And we were doing this, that was everything, you know, they say you have to first live like no one else is willing to before you can live like no one else can. Right. So what that looked like for us is I was working all day and he was at the house all day. And then on the weekends we would come here together and he and I would stay up all night sanding the walls or doing whatever we needed. And the kids were in like the basement playing or something. We had mattresses from our other house that we set up in the basement. And cause our basement's like, I, I don't know, it's wild. It's like a whole bar down there, but we set up these mattresses on the basement and we would spend the nights here. So our kids were sleeping in a full renovation project down in this basement. We had like a projector on like this sheet <laughs> that we were watching. And that's how we were living for a while. And it was really, really cool because right after we refinanced, I remember it was a Saturday morning and we were just playing. And I was like, is this what most people get to do? Because we had devoted an entire year of our lives to this house. Yep. We were going to make it or we were going to break it and we needed to make it and so we gave everything we had every hour we had and so that first saturday where we just got to sit there and play like toys and mm -hmm. like imagine and like do this i was like this is this is what it's about this is what's so cool we yep. got our dream house and now we have this time on freedom and we can do what we want to and we can put our family first like that is what it's about and when you finally get to experience it. It's almost like when you, when you're eating the right foods and you get that taste of how good it feels to be healthy. When you get that taste of what it's like to have the freedom to celebrate with your kids, to have that time back, that is what's going to keep you going and keep yep. you pushing harder. Yep. Absolutely. Yep. And that's a, um, that's a good place to end. So yeah, that, that is, uh, it is. absolutely good. So what we're going to do, Aaron, we'll put um, all of your contact information, um, your social media stuff, your email, everything. 
in the show notes so people can follow up with you if they have additional questions. Again, you're a rock star, Queen of Cleveland. I love it. Um, and y'all are going to be in New Orleans, right? Couple, oh, yeah. We'll yep. be there. So we'll, we'll see you there. And I appreciate you coming on, Aaron. Again, your energy, I, I, I'm being redundant here, but you're, it's contagious. And especially in person, like, you know, I, I've gotten to hang out with you and Brian at several events now. And, you know, y'all compliment each other so well. He's just so carefree, laid back, and you're just, ah! And it's, I, love it. I love it. You know, y'all are all. We have a, we have a very unique relationship. Yep. We are, yeah. we're very, very different than most yep. couples. Yeah, it, works. Sure. it works. And, and, it does. It works. Yep. But again, I appreciate it. I appreciate all your wisdom. Tupac, everybody better have written that down and, and <laughs> get their posters. So, um, but no, with that, Jason. Aaron, we'll tie a bow around this. And, and you know, again, I appreciate you coming on. So It's been awesome, Jason. Thank you so much. All right. Have a good day. You too. All right. Well, this concludes another episode of Burning the Boats podcast. Hope y'all got as much value from that um, as I know I certainly did. Um, and continue to join us each week moving forward. We release episodes on um, every Sunday at 4 p.m. Eastern. Um, those are our interview style podcasts. And then every Thursday at 4 p.m. Eastern um, is our weekly ramble. So we'd appreciate um, you know following you following along and sharing with your friends and you know, if you could take a few seconds to whatever platform you're listening on, um, hit the like and subscribe button. Uh, same on YouTube as well. Um, we're not doing this uh, for any type of monetary gain. This We make nothing off this podcast, but we're doing it more than anything else to provide value and hopefully connect people um, with, you know, folks in our network and, and whatnot. So hope you enjoy that and you can always help us provide more value by getting it out to more folks. Um, so please like and subscribe and share with all your friends. As always, the Burning the Boats podcast is presented by 608B Capital. Um, we are a short-term real estate lending fund. Um, so if you have, we offer investment opportunity for passive investors. So if you have a need for that, please reach out. And we also offer, obviously, real estate loans for fix and flippers, buy and holders and whatnot. Um, so if you have any of those needs, um, all of our information will be down in the show notes. Um, but with that, we appreciate you listening or watching as always. And we'll see you next time on Burning the Boats podcast.